Welcome, listeners, to Tom Reads Your Story, a chance for writers of all kinds, pros or beginners, to have their material read to an audience. Whether you have a novel, short story, news article, or maybe some poetry, this show will get the word out. And now, here's your host, voice actor and podcaster, Tom Zania. Hello, Tom Zania with you with the Tom Read Your Story podcast. Looking for those who really would like to have their material read on the air, I guess you can call it, uh, on the podcast. You might have a novel. You might have some poetry. You might have, uh, you know, an odd story. Maybe you saw a UFO or something like that. Uh and I'll give you the email address. It's Tom Reads Your Story, all one word. Tom Reads Your Story at yahoo.com. And just let me know who you are, um, what you're up to, and a little more about yourself and what the what the material is you're sending, and that you give me permission to read it. That's it. Very simple. So um, I hope you'll do it right away. Uh, obviously, in the meantime, I can't always depend on people sending me anything, so I'm going to play my own stuff, stuff that I've recorded for books, stuff that I've recorded for maybe commercials, that type of thing. Invictus by William Ernest Henley out of the night that covers me, black as the pit from pole to pole, I thank whatever gods may be for my unconquerable soul. In the fell clutch of circumstance, I have not winced nor cried aloud. Under the bludgeonings of chance, my head is bloody, but unbowed. Beyond this place of wrath and tears looms but the horror of the shade. And yet the menace of the years finds and shall find me unafraid. It matters not how straight the gate, how charged with punishments the scroll. I am the master of my fate. I am the captain of my soul. Hey, it's Tom Zania again. Listen, I have some things I want to put up here since it's, you know, it's my first broadcast uh, on my podcast, which is Tom Reads Your Story. And there's some things that I've done uh, in the past that you're going to hear. Uh, you just heard Invictus by William Ernest Henley. And uh, I'm going to read a story Obviously, coronavirus is the biggest thing in the news that's ever been since probably World War II. I'm going to read a little story from a nurse in one of the uh, one of the hospitals, I think, in, here in New York. Uh, I do want to say I did borrow this from Facebook, so I am rereading it uh, so that you can hear it. It's quite a story. Thanks. Jennifer Cole. I lost a patient today. He was not the first, and unfortunately, 
He's definitely not the last. But he was different. I've been an ER nurse my entire career, but in New York, I find myself in the ICU. At this point, there's not really anywhere in the hospital that isn't ICU, all COVID-19 positive. They are desperate for nurses who can titrate critical medication drips and troubleshoot ventilators. I've taken care of this man the last three nights, a first for me. In the ER, I rarely keep patients for even one 12-hour shift. His entire two-week stay had been rough for him, but last night was the worst. I spent the first six hours of my shift not really leaving his room. By the end, with so many medications infusing at their maximum, I was begging the doctor to call his family and let them know. He's not going to make it, I said. The poor doctors are so busy running from code to code, being pulled by emergent patients every minute. All I could think of was the voice of my mom in my head, crying as I got on the plane to leave for this place. Those people are alone. You take good care of them. I was the only person in that room for three nights in a row, fighting as hard as I could to keep this man alive. The doctor was able to reach the family, update them. It was decided that when his heart inevitably stopped, we wouldn't try to restart it. There just wasn't anything else left to do. Eventually he gave up. It was just him and me and his intubated roommate in the next bed. The wooden door to the room is shut, containing infection and cutting us off from the rest of the world. I called the doctor to come and mark the time of death. I wished so much that I could let his family know that while they might not have been with him, I was. I shut the pumps down, so horribly many of them, disconnected the vent, took him off the monitor. We didn't extubate him, too much of a risk to staff. Respiratory took the vent as soon as I called. It's just a portable one, but it's life to someone downstairs. The CNA helped me to wash him and place him in a body bag, a luxury afforded only to those who make it out of the ER. Down there the bodies pile up on stretchers alone, while the patients on vents wait for the golden spot my gentleman just vacated. We'll talk about the ER another time. My patient was obviously healthy in his life. I look at his picture in his chart, the kind they take from a camera over a computer when you aren't really prepared. A headshot, slightly awkward. I see someone's grandpa, someone's dad, someone's husband. They aren't here with him. My heart breaks for them. I fold his cute old man's sweater and place it in a bag with his loafers, his belongings. I ask where to put his things. A co-worker opens the door to a locked room. Labeled bags are piled to the ceiling. My heart drops. It's all belongings of deceased parents, waiting for a family member to someday claim them. A few nights ago, they had seventeen deaths in a shift. The entire unit is only seventeen beds. These patients are so fragile. It's such a delicate balance of breathing, of blood pressure, of organ function. The slightest movement 
or change sends them into hours-long death spirals. The codes are so frequent, those not directly involved barely even register them. The patients are all the same, everyone, regardless of age, health status, wealth, family, or power. The diagnosis is the same. The disease process is the same. And the aloneness is the same. Our floor has one guy that made it to extubation. He's 30 years old. I view him as our mascot, our ray of hope that not everyone here is just waiting to die. I know that most people survive just fine, but that's not what it feels like in this place. Most of the hospital staff is out sick. We, the disaster staff, keep our N95 masks glued to our faces. We all think we are invincible. But I find myself eyeing up my co-workers, wondering who the weak ones are, knowing deep down that not all of us will make it out of here alive. A bus takes us back to the hotel the disaster staff resides in through deserted Manhattan. We are a few blocks from Central Park. We pass Radio City Music Hall, NBC Studios, Times Square. There's no traffic. The sidewalks are empty. My room is on the 12th floor. At 7 p.m., you can hear people cheering and banging on pots and pans for the healthcare workers at change of shift. This city is breaking and stealing my heart simultaneously. I didn't know what I was getting into coming here, but it's turning out to be quite a lot. Well, that was, of course, uh, a passage taken from Facebook that I liked very much, uh, obviously, in this time of COVID-19, coronavirus. I'd like to thank you for joining me today. This was my big experiment. A podcast is something that was always in the back of my mind, but I didn't quite know how to do it. And I'd like to thank Anchor for making it so easy, Yeah, at least starting out to, to make this happen. And believe me, uh, there is more to come. Thanks very much for joining me. Take care.